God, that as we sang in these songs, that we can only glorify you because of the things that you've given us to glorify you with. God, as we look to exalt you with our lives, as we look to lift you up, God, give us a new heart. God, remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh that is tender, that seeks you, that desires your presence, that desires to see you magnified, glorified in this world. I pray as we move on from the service that we wouldn't lose the spirit of worship. But as we hear the message that we'd continue to ask ourselves, how can I better serve the Lord? As we interact with one another, how can I glorify God in this situation? As we leave this place, how is God going to work in my life for this week? God, we thank you for all that you continue to do, God, for all that you've done. If you didn't answer a single one of our prayers in the future, God, you're already good. God, you've already done more than we deserve. God, we thank you for who you are and who you continue to be. God, thank you. In your name we all pray. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. For most of you, you're already grabbing it, so good job. You're ahead of the curve. We're proud of you. We're proud of you. Hey, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Ty, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I get the privilege of walking through a few announcements this morning, some connection cards, some other cool stuff, but we're just going to jump right from the top. And my assistant's here to help me out here. Let's go. Uh, announcement number one, VBS. How many of you guys are excited for VBS? Awesome. I see a number of you are signed up to serve. We are so thankful. If you are looking to sign up your kids, today is the day. Make sure you sign them up. Uh, we wanna, we're going to have a blast with them. I know that we have a bunch of sports going on. Uh, I'm there to boo them in case they get a little too overconfident. So I'm, I feel really called to that in the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. But we're excited to see how God's going to work through their lives this week. So make sure if you have not signed them up, that you sign them up. If you are someone that's volunteering and you haven't been in one of the trainings, there's one immediately following the service today. So make sure you're there. Uh, Charity is so much fun to be trained by. She does a really good job. Next, next week we have how many services? One. One service. See, you guys are good. I didn't even know that till today. So you guys are further ahead than me. One service at what time? 11. 11. If you come at the same time as you are here now this week, you're just going to be stuck hanging out with me and I'm going to make it awkward. So make sure you don't do that. Go out to breakfast with your family before you come. Grab some donuts, but make sure you're here next week at 11 a.m. Join us for a service, and then make sure you're there to dunk Pastor Brent in that dunk tank. I know for me, I've already spent like $10 saving up balls. He's like, it's not, it doesn't even cost anything. I'm like, I don't care. I want to make sure I'm first in line so I can just dunk you over and over and over again. It's going to be so much fun. But seriously, it's, we're going to have lunch and drinks and uh, not those kind of drinks. Get that out of your mind. We're going to have water and other lemonade-like beverages. You guys, come on. Come on. I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, it's going to be a total like family fun day. So make sure that you're there. Hence the name summer party. I think it was family party, but now it's summer party. It's a family summer party. You get it. It's going to be fun. So make sure you're there 11 a.m. next week. And last but not least on August 7th. So that's not next Sunday, but the Sunday following we have our pizza with the pastors. What this is, is if you are new within the last like six months or so, and you are looking to learn more about the church, meet the staff, this is our way of cornering you, giving you pizza so you don't run, and then talking to you. It's going to be fun. But no, this is a fun way to learn more about the church, to get more involved, to just kind of find out if this is a good fit for you. Uh, it's going to be a blast, and I can't force you, but I can't entice you. I mean, I'm going to be there. So come on, you're going to want to be there. It's going to be fun. Those are all of our announcements. So I just have a few other things. Next, connection cards. How many of you guys, this is your very first or second week? Nobody. That was a trick. I didn't get you. That's great. How many of you guys, this is your third, fourth, and plus week? Good. Good. Plus, anything greater than four weeks. How many of you guys have been here for more than four weeks? That's all of you. Awesome. You guys are called to fill out your connection cards. 
Make sure that you do it. You can do it now or you can do it following the service. But we want to pray for you. Uh, we love praying for you. Um, in fact, real quick before we do that, I just want to say a few things. Is that okay? Pause. Number one, our usher Brian in the back. It is his birthday today. So make sure you say happy birthday to Brian. He's awesome. Number two, he's probably never going to serve again because I'm going to do this. Ray Slynn on the camera right there. This is his first week serving on camera. He's one of our youth serving. He's doing a great job. So make sure you thank them. But the, way, the reason I say this is because the reason we know these things is because they filled out their connection card. So if you want a birthday shout out, if you would like to be prayed for, if you would like to serve, if you'd like to be further involved in the community, make sure you fill that out. It's a great way for us to connect with you. Believe it or not, I cannot read minds. I'm not David Blaine. I'm not skilled that way. But if you tell me, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to connect with you. So make sure that you fill that out. We have nlcchurch.com slash connect, or we have our QR code, the fancy square that looks like it's from an old Nintendo. Make sure you scan that. It's going to be good. And last, but certainly not least, we have our tithes and offerings. We're winding down. So if I could have the ushers stand. Uh, I love our tithes and offerings. We talk about this every week because it's a part of our weekly worship. We sing songs because we want to glorify God with our singing. We give because we want to glorify God with our means. And so what this is, is a tangible way for us to say, God, we trust you. You're faithful. I'm going to trust you with what you've entrusted me with. It's like that song we sang. It's really good. So make sure that you are giving faithfully. Make sure that you're being sensitive to how the Spirit has led you. We have a number of ways to give. You can go to nlcchurch.com slash give. You can have one of these people shake a bucket in your face until you drop in enough money. I mean, it's going to be good. No, I'm just kidding. But I love you guys. Let me pray, and then I'm going to get out of your way. God, right now, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this opportunity to serve in this way, that we get to serve not just with songs that we sing, not just with our words, but with our actions and the fruits of our life. I pray for those that right now money is tight, God, that you would just encourage them. Um, as the Bible says, it's better to give than to receive. This is our opportunity to be faithful to you when it's hard. God, it's easy to, to trust when times are good, when there really doesn't seem to be any need to trust. But God, when things are hard, that's when it's hard to trust. But that's when you say you show up. God, I pray that you would show up in our lives in a real way, that we would trust you like never before, and that you would just multiply this, that the community, the church, the missions would all be blessed because of what we're able to do here. God, we love you. We thank you. And we pray. Amen. We have a video for you up on the screen. We did just get back from vacation uh, late this week. Thank you, Jeff. Um, and uh, we saw views a lot like what you just saw on that screen. I, like, I've told a lot of people, I, I grew up in Oregon. I know Oregon. I saw so much of Oregon I have never seen before. If you want my, my very top selection of places to go you may have never gone, Wallowa Lake yeah. is incredible. It's in the very, very northeast corner of Oregon. You're almost falling to Idaho. Um, and that, that is a mountain range that goes 9,500 feet straight up from a lake. 
and it, there are glaciers up there. They call it the, the miniature Alps of Oregon for a reason. It's incredible. Um, and, uh, and it was just, the wildlife is like tame there. It's almost like you're like in the Garden of Eden. There's deer that will eat out of your hand. The chipmunks were running all over Judah while he was feeding them stuff. Don't worry, no one got uh, any kind of, you know, diseases or anything. We checked the squirrels, they were fine. They didn't get anything from him, so. Um, but, uh, but it was, we just had an absolute blast. It was, it was beautiful out there in God's creation. And so, we're talking in this series about, about uh, Moses and how he was never home. He was always kind of out in the wild, and he was searching for home. He was on his way home. And uh, Pastor Ty just brought us last week, the, the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea. God delivered them through the Red Sea, and they arrive on the other side, and it is a party. The very first praise and worship song was written then by Miriam, and they, ha- they had a, a sing-along, and they all shouted and danced, and they're high-fiving and hugging and crying, and like, we made it, we made it. Look what God did to Pharaoh. He cast him into the sea and all these things. And then they look around, and they go, now what? I'm kind of hungry. And uh, they're like, luckily, we brought some food from Egypt. They brought road trip food. And I, like I just said, we went on a road trip. We had the red vines. We had the beef jerky. All the requirements that are part of road trip food, right? We all have those things that we go to. We know we need for the road trip. And so they had the road trip food from, uh, road trip food from Egypt. That's a tongue twister. And uh, they, they, they start munching on that. They get through their trail mix. And then about a month in, they run out. They run out of food and the fun is gone. The adventure is suddenly not quite adventurous as adventuresome feeling. And so uh, they, they start to get a little discontent. So if you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of Exodus chapter 16. Chapter 16. This is where we're going to be uh, spending most of our time in this morning. So they, they've come through the Red Sea. They're about a month on the other side of the Red Sea. They're out of trail mix. And this is what happens. It says, then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. They didn't complain to Moses and Aaron, they claimed... They, they, they complained about them. How many of us, when we complain, we don't actually take it to the, to, the, to the place that can get it fixed. We just want to complain about the problem, right? So they're complaining about the problem, about their leadership, and they're, they're frustrated, they're upset. And, uh, and so if there's one thing that the Israelites were good at, it was complaining. This, this was something that could go on their cover letter. Um, they, could, they could make a sport out of, out of complaining. It could be competitive complaining. If it was an Olympic event, gold medalists right here, they were expert complainers. As you read Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, you're like, man, these people are good at this. And so they start complaining and they say, if, the, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. Man, they, they know how to use some superlatives there. I mean, they went to the next level. Just kill us, Lord. It would be better to be dead. Um, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. So these people, this, is, this has always baffled me. These people are barely a month removed from seeing the ten plagues brought upon Egypt. 
They're barely a month removed from the Red Sea literally being parted in half, from seeing Pharaoh's army being swallowed up and destroyed. They, they, even less than that, they got to the, the other side of the Red Sea and they were thirsty. And so they went to this uh, oasis they found and drank the water. It was bitter. So do you know what Moses did? He threw a stick in it. That's not a standard water purification method, but it worked. And the water became drink, drinkable. And so, and so they're seeing God do all these miracle after miracle after miracle. And even directly after these moments of just incredible miracle, they're already back to complaining. And, and, and not only complaining, but they're accusing Moses of having some sort of sick motive to bring them all into the wilderness to, not, to die. Like he's some sort of like maniacal, like, I'm going to kill a whole bunch of people. And so there they started to point back to Egypt, the land of their captivity. They were pointing back, um, these, and they're saying, things were so great back there. We had all the meat we wanted. We had all the bread we wanted. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. These, these people are pointing back to the land of their captivity, which it's not just like it was a rough go. Like, man, you know, things were a little bit, the economy was difficult. No, it was, this was a place where they were literally having their children genocided in front of them. Taking their babies and throwing them into a river, killing them in front of mothers. And they're saying, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> so you, you see that they're, they're coming to this point where the, Egypt, this land of their captivity, they're starting to see it through these rose-colored gla- glasses. But how many of us has God delivered us from, from a, a life of brokenness, a life of death, and yet sometimes the enemy, Satan, comes to us and goes, is this really any better Are you really any better off? Weren't the struggles that you walked away from, did you really have those taken away? You could even say at times things are harder. And the enemy would want us to look back and and to fill our hearts with discouragement. Let me tell you that discouragement is one of the quickest ways that we can be blinded to the miraculous hand of God. The people of Israel had seen literally the hand of God. How, how quickly our memories fail us at the miraculous hand of God. Our memories fail us so quickly. This is why it's important when we have miracles happen in our lives, when we have testimonies, write them down, remember them, make a monument to what God has done. And the people of Israel were so quickly forgetting. You see, they started to look back. And can I tell you, the first step to going backwards is looking backwards. And they started to look back at what was. They started to glance back and say, remember what that was like. Remember what we had. They're starting to have these fond memories of captivity. Moving forward, it says this in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I am going to rain down death and judgment on these people. Is that what it says? Fire from heaven. No, it says, God says, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day they will gather food and when they prepare it there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, By evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So God says, I can see that you guys have some short memories. I just did 10 plagues 30 days ago. I just brought you through the, 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 the Red Sea 30 days ago and swallowed up your enemies. I just gave you fresh water with a stick thrown in it just a few days ago. And you're obviously already forgetting it. We have short memories. I, I looked up 
what animal has the shortest memory? And I was surprised. I didn't know that pretty much all animals have very short memories. I thought there were some that were very smart. They could remember things a long time. But the average animal's uh, uh, memory is about 25 seconds, it said. Um, and researchers have found. Even dogs and things like that. Apes, they found, don't have very long memories. But one of the worst is a sloth. A sloth will be hanging in a tree and forget that its arm is its own arm. And think, there's a stick. And it will grab its own arm and then fall out of the tree to its death. <laughs> Tragic animals. But we too can have incredibly short memories when it comes to God's provision. And so God says, you know what? I'm not going to do a miracle every 30 days. I'm not going to do a miracle every couple of weeks. I'm going to do a miracle every single day. Why does he say? So that you will know that I am the Lord. A daily reminder, a daily miracle so that you will know my grace, that you will know my mercy. And so God says, you seem to forget things pretty easily. So each day I'm going to do this miracle. Each day you're going to wake up and see that I have provided a miracle for you so that you remember it was me that brought you into freedom. Each morning a reminder that it is my grace that sustains you. And this was not just like the people stepped out of their tent and there's a small amount of Wonder Bread laying outside their tent. This is a massive amount of food that was going to be provided for the people of Israel. Um, scholars believe that there would have been about 2 million people that came out of Egypt. 2 million. That's twice the population of Portland. Coming out of Egypt, living in the desert. And the amount of manna, of bread that that would require to feed them, would be about 240 train cars worth of manna each and every day. That's a huge amount of food. So this is what happens in verse 13. We'll jump down a little bit. It says, That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. And when the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. And they had no idea what it was. And do you know what they named it? What is it? That is the actual name of it. In Hebrew, manna is, what is it? They were pretty sharp namers of things. So manna literally means, what is it? They come outside their tents, they go, what is it? What is it? And this is what uh, Moses replies. Moses says to them, it is the food that the Lord has given you to eat. So these are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. And they listened and all obeyed. No. It says, but some of them didn't listen, and they kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. And Moses was very angry with them. Poor guy is frustrated. He's getting accused and, and talked about. God answers their prayer and they don't obey and Moses is frustrated. But notice in verse 4 that it says that the Lord says that this is in order to test them. This is in order to test them to say, do you trust me? Do you trust that I will provide everything you need to be your supply, not just for today, not just for in this moment, but then also for tomorrow? That I will be enough for you the day after that. God says, whatever leftovers you have, don't hold on to them till morning. Throw them out. Trust me with tomorrow. Throw it out. 
You see, you're going to have what you need, but even still, some people held, held on to food until the next day because I think as people, we are hoarders. Look what happened to toilet paper two years ago. When we think there's not going to be enough, we, we, we gather, we, we gather, I need, I need, I need. And we, we, we bring it all in. We like security. I like a warranty. When I buy a car, I like there to be a warranty. When I have something I get, I want there to be a, a guarantee that it'll be, still, still be good for me, that I'm not on the hook for it. What if God doesn't come through? Better put a little extra in a jar just in case tomorrow the dew doesn't show up. I've got kids. I've got family to worry about. There's elderly people. Let's keep some in a jar. That way, just in case... We've got it covered. You see, I like to have an ace up my sleeve. I like to have a fallback just in case God lets me down. I believe you, God. I believe you. But just in case you let me down, just in case, again, I trust you, but just in case. And that's exactly what some of these people did. In Matthew 6, though, Jesus is talking to, to to the same effect. In Matthew chapter 6, he's teaching the disciples how to pray. And he says this in his prayer, give us This day, our daily bread. Daily bread. You see, we don't usually have to pray about our daily bread. We've got refrigerators. We've got cupboards. Most of us, if we go go home right now, it's not bare. We would open our cupboards. There's food in there. We open our fridges. We can keep it a long time. I don't think about daily bread. People then, daily bread was more of an issue. Fresh things had to be fresh. You aren't putting them in a refrigerator. You don't have things that are shelf-stable. i got to tell you, every once in a while, I'll go through our cupboards and we'll have to throw things out because we didn't eat them soon enough and they expired. We have food and supply all we need because the, we don't have that need of the daily re- recurrence of needing God's faithfulness. But, but to live with this faith of hand-to-mouth is not something we are literally charged with, but God is telling the Israelites, and this is something we can take to heart, that God's grace is enough for today. God is telling the, 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 the Israelites, my grace is enough for you today. It's all you need today. Trust me with today. Can I trust God with today? Even so that I won't, so much so that I don't worry about tomorrow. This is the same thing Jesus talks about. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries. But trust me with today. My daily bread. And so the Israelites have this daily bread that they are charged to trust God with. Otherwise, um, what they try to hold on to is lost and it's, it's rotten. In the same way, you think about what Jesus teaches. Again, we're going to jump into this in a little bit. But about this is a, a narrative. This story weaves from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right? Jesus talks about, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and rust will destroy and thieves can break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven, right? In these same ways, these people are storing up things that are going to be destroyed. They're going to be eaten. They're going to rot. They're going to smell. And he's saying, trust me with today. My grace is sufficient for you today. Not many people know this, but did you know one of the Psalms was written by Moses? Yeah. Psalm chapter 90 was written by Moses. And in Psalm 90, this is what it says in verse 14. Moses says, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. I guarantee you, Moses was thinking about each morning that manna that was brought. Satisfy us each morning. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love. You see, today's provision that God gives us is his guarantee of tomorrow's promise. 
The provision God gives us today is his guarantee of tomorrow's promise. I love this. You see, church, God has not brought us this far to just bring us this far. Can you imagine just a few years in, he's like, well, done with the manna thing. Hope that, you know, you enjoyed it while it lasted. No, he said, I have given you manna to this point, day in and day out. My faith has been sufficient for you each day. Trust me with tomorrow. And his faithfulness today is his guarantee of tomorrow's promise. And that Exodus 14, they're crossing the Red Sea. And God says this to the people of Israel, stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord. Your job is to stand still. I get busy feet. I don't stand still so well. Someone tells me to hold still. I want to do something. I want to help. I want to figure it out. God says, stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Then on the other side of the sea, what happens? Water is provided. They didn't have to dig a single well. They didn't have to put out tarps to try to gather water. There was an oasis waiting for them. And when the water needed prepared, a miracle by a stick gave them fresh water. Their water was supplied. They didn't have to plant a single crop. The manna was brought to their tent and laid on the ground before them. Like I said, we did this road trip. We went through a lot of farm country. And you look at it, and when it's not farmed, it is barren. It takes a lot of work to go from sandwich or from, from field to sandwich. You've got to plow the field. You've got to plant, you've got to irrigate, you've got to fertilize, you've got to harvest, you've got to grind and mill. You've got all these steps just to get bread and God says, you don't have to do any of it. I'll drop it right at your doorstep for you. Just go out and pick it up each day. So God says at the Red Sea, stand still, let me do this. I'll give you all that you need, all the food, the water, the supply. I will fight your battles for you. This is the easiest thing in the world to do. Bring your recliner, I'll do this, the Lord says. And they messed it up. They messed it up. Not long after they start getting this manna, the suggestion box starts filling up for Moses. They have all the food they need. They have all the the things they need for their supply. And and it says in Numbers 11, Numbers 11 gives a second account of what was going on here. If you have your Bibles, you can jump over to Numbers 11. We're going to be in verse 4. And it says this, then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. This sounds kind of similar. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic we wanted. They had terrible breath. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. They were sick of it. They had every kind of manna. They had baked manna. They had fried manna. They had boiled manna. They had pickled manna. They had manna on the half shell. They had uh, pineapple upside down manna. They were sick of it. They, they, they boil it, mash it, stick it in a stew. You know, they had every kind of manna you could imagine. And they were so sick of manna. And this is interesting because this series of complaints, it says, starts with the foreign rabble. Did you see that? The foreign rabble. And so what is that? Well, they're actually first mentioned in Exodus right when the last plague happens and the Israelites are all leaving Egypt. It says that there was a group, a foreign rabble that joined with them. There was not just the Israelites that left Egypt in that moment of escape. So there's, there's this group in Exodus 12, 38, it says, that are jumping, jump on the bandwagon and travel along with Israel into the desert. 
And some of them are Egyptians, some of them are other foreigners and people that are living alongside Israel and really enjoying the miracles that they're seeing. They're enjoying the freedom, they're enjoying the parting of the sea, the water, the, the manna, all these things. They're living in, in, in this, in this uh, blessing bubble, as it were. And they're saying, I love the relief, I'm seeking the freedom, I want to enjoy all these miracles, but I don't want the relationship. I like the promises. I like the community. I like the hope. I like the encouragement. I like the music. I like the structure. Miriam, sing that song again. But uh, can we talk about the manna? You see, the bread wasn't enough on its own. And here, as I just talked about a moment ago, this thread that pulls the Old Testament and New Testament together so powerfully is this is where it comes together. This is why it's so important. You see, in in the New Testament, there's a story in the book of John, chapter 6. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Actually, more than 5,000. He feeds 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. We're talking in excess of at least 15,000 people by just taking someone's fish and chips lunch and multiplying it over and over. And bread is fed to this huge multitude. And he does it multiplying the single sack lunch and providing this, this crowd of people with enough food. And the crowd likes that. They're like, yeah, that was a good one. And they start following Jesus and they follow him along. In verse 30, it says this of chapter 6. They say, show us a miraculous sign. They tell Jesus this. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. Like the fish and chips trick wasn't good enough. They said, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. So what can you do, Jesus, they asked. They're going, hey, actually, we've got a suggestion for you. Do the manna trick. Do the thing that Moses did. Can you do the manna thing? And so they asked Jesus to, to make manna come down from heaven, to make bread come down from heaven. And Jesus says this to them. He says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is saying here, I am the bread of heaven. These people around him that were there were just looking for a meal and a magic trick. They were looking for a a cheap meal and a a magic trick. But that was going to leave them discontented and dissatisfied. That meal that he fed them when he fed the 5,000 left people dissatisfied in the end. It didn't fill them forever. Are you hearing me on this? The foreign rabble that was with the Israelites and they were there eating the manna, it left them dissatisfied because it was not ultimately the bread that came from heaven that was Jesus. They were not there for the bread from heaven. They were there for their own satisfaction. They're looking to fill the, the void in their own soul that they didn't realize what it was. And so look at what happens to the Israelites here. They, they had the very elements change in front of their eyes. The natural world was manipulated by the hand of God and it still wasn't enough for them. And Jesus saw this crowd around him and he sees what they really needed, what they really lacked and needed possession of was spiritual bread. He says, there's spiritual bread that you need. You're calling for something that you don't realize what you need. In the same way the Israelites back in the desert said, this manna isn't enough. Jesus tells them, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes and has has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live 
is my flesh. And this weirded a lot of people out. They're like, this is some zombie stuff. This is weird. He's telling us to eat his flesh. Jesus is saying, you're looking for this bread. You're looking for this manna that's going to satisfy you, but it will ultimately leave you empty and you will die. You need the bread that is from heaven. There is something even more important and even more miraculous that you need, and it is me. It is me. Is Jesus alone your satisfaction? Is Jesus alone your satisfaction? Or are we looking for the other things, the leeks and the onions and the garlic? Because I need something else to spice this up, but it will always leave us dissatisfied. Is Jesus alone your satisfaction? Like the foreign rabble, have you been seeking the benefits of being around Jesus without him being your everything? The emotional fix, the community perks, the this and the that, but the bread of life has not been your satisfaction. This morning, I want to invite you, if you've never engaged and enter into saying, Jesus, be my everything. You are the bread of life that I need. I can't do this on my own. I can't, I can't find just enough uh, happy things around me to fill that void, but I need the bread of life. I want to offer that to you today. All of us in this world need the bread of life. Every single one of us, but we fill that void with different things. We seek it out, we hunt for it, but Jesus is the only thing that can bring that full satisfaction. So I want to invite you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you haven't said, Jesus, there's something in me that's always been wandering, that's been looking, that's been searching for something more, and I don't know what that's been, but I need you to be my everything. I want to give you that opportunity. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes together this morning? In this room, as we get ready to draw this service to a close, if you have never given your life to Jesus and you've been trying to fill that empty pit in your stomach, that void, with so many things, through relationships, through community things, through your career. All of these things are good things, but they're not what ultimately satisfies, and that's in Jesus, the bread of life. And you say, this morning, I want to give Jesus my heart. I want to follow him with all that I have today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in this moment, raise your hand and raise it high. I want to pray with you. Raise it high. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the bread of life. You came down from heaven for me. Nothing else can satisfy. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for me. And your death gives me life. I receive you into my heart today as my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, you are my King and my Lord. Amen. 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 For others in this room, you might not be going backwards, but you're looking backwards. The things of this world have captivated your eyes and pulled you away from Jesus. Let me challenge you with this. 
Let me challenge you with this, that we keep our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Just as Moses wrote in Psalm 90, that he would satisfy us each morning with his unfailing love. Have you been trusting God with, with, with His daily grace? Or have you been hoarding and holding on to things because you haven't fully given Him your full trust today? This is a challenging one for me. I like to have the ace up the sleeve. But is God sufficient for you? To say, Lord, I trust you and your grace for tomorrow. I trust you, God. God hasn't brought you, this, brought you this far to just bring you this far. Today's provision is His guarantee of tomorrow's promise. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes as a community right now. This is a moment of real honesty. Have you been hoarding manna? Because you haven't been trusting God fully with tomorrow. If you're in this room, this is between you and God. And you say, Lord, I have not been fully trusting you with tomorrow. Even though I've seen your faithfulness, I've been holding on to things, not fully putting my faith in you. And right now I need to release it into your hands and believe that you hold my future. If that's you in this room, I want to pray with you, Lord, right now. With these saints in this room, this is a difficult topic because so many of us want to have some sort, some modicum of control of what tomorrow holds, but we need to trust you. It's not about being unprepared, but it's about saying, Lord, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you for tomorrow. I don't know what it holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And that is you, God. And so we believe, Lord, with faith that you have given us Brought us this far, not to leave us here, but to bring us all the way through. Just as for 40 years you supplied the Israelites in the desert with manna, we know that you will see us through. And so teach us, Lord, to trust you day in and day out. Teach us these things, Father, I pray. That we would trust you from here forward. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, church, let's stand together. We're going to do a reading together from the book of Isaiah as we close. Isaiah 64, verses 1 and 4 speaks of this manna from heaven idea, that heaven being opened up, it's the same verbiage that's used, that, that heaven would burst open and that, that the mountains would quake in the presence of God. So let's, let's read this together as we dismiss this morning. All right, can we, church? Let's read together. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down, how the mountains would quake in your presence. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Same words that he used when he said, stand on the the shore of the sea and watch me work. Trust me as you walk into the desert. I'll provide the water. Trust me as you need your food. I will give you the manna. We stand and we watch the one who works for those who wait for him. Amen, church? Amen. God, I pray over your church this morning that as we go, we would trust you. We would wait for the one who works for us. That you would give us the patience and the faith that tomorrow is in your hands and you will see us through. We thank you for it, Father. We glorify your name together. And together all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, New Life Church. Have a wonderful week.